This episode, we talk censorship in American life and how our cultural divisions are being driven by it. We will also talk about how confirmation biases steep the division between Americans. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm just an American. there have been several news stories this week that have gotten my attention because I think in a particular way they are all connected. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. First news story that I saw this week that caught my attention was that they have canceled the show Cops and they've canceled the live PD show. Cops is a show that has been on the air for 33 seasons and both of those shows got canceled this week due to the fact that they show police officers in a positive light and that is something that we apparently cannot have. In fact, there was a Washington Post article this this week that specifically called for the cancellation of all television shows and movies that show police officers in a positive light. Another story that got my attention was that HBO Max has decided to temporarily pull the classic film Gone with the Wind from their network this week so that they are able to add a disclaimer to say that the way that slavery and the South and black people are portrayed in this film is something that the network does not support, that it is a product, it was a product of its time and that they, you know, want everybody to be aware of that before they put that movie back on the air. Another interesting story of the week was that New York Times, one of the New York Times senior editors, James Bennett, was forced to resign over publishing a an, an op-ed by conservative Senator Tom Cotton. That op-ed discussed the fact that Tom Cotton supported President Trump's idea that if the police departments across the country were unable to regain control of the cities in the midst of the riots and the violence that were taking place across the country, that he supported the idea that the United States military would be brought in, um, not to be used against American citizens, but as in a support role for police departments that were overwhelmed in order to allow them to regain control of some of these cities across the country. So all of these news stories that have been taking place have one thing in common, and that is censorship. So a lot of these stories, um, for example, the, the story, the cops being pulled from the air. What's interesting about that is that most Americans have a favorable view of police officers. These are mainstream conservative ideas that are being censored. These are not radical ideas. These are not extremist ideas. These are mainstream conservative ideas. According to the Daily News, before all of the chaos of this week, 66% of Americans had a favorable view of police officers across the country. Most people who are listening to this probably know at least one person who is a police officer. Okay, police officers across this country are fathers and mothers. There are sons and daughters, brothers and sisters and friends. We all, most people know somebody who is in law enforcement and they are good people. But apparently that is a view that is no longer able to be expressed on our televisions and our movie theaters. The majority of Americans, 52% of Americans supported 
what Tom Cotton was talking about in his New York Times editorial. They supported the idea of bringing in the military to stop the violence and the riots that we saw last week. These were not, we were, the idea was not to bring in the military to silence protesters. It was not to bring in the military to, you know, stop people from peacefully protesting. It was specifically in regards to the violence and the burning down of buildings and and whatnot that we saw. Censorship is not just from the government. It is from the people in a society who have the power. And what's really interesting for me to observe is that for all of the talk that we see from the left about, oh, it's about those who have the power, the millionaires, the billionaires, the corporations, the people who really have the power in this country, or at least a lot of power, are the people who control the narratives. They are the people who control what we as a society talk about and the way that we view things. So we're going to talk a little bit about the four different groups that have so much power in our country when it comes to controlling the dialogue and the things that we talk about. So the mainstream media, okay, we all know that the mainstream media is very influential and the ma- the media companies are 97% liberal. In the 2016 election, 97% of journalists donated to Democratic candidates or Democratic campaigns. It's really fascinating that they still get you know go out there every day and try to say that they are objective try to say that they are unbiased that they are just bringing you the facts and allowing you as american consumers to make your own decisions based on the facts 97% of them lean in one direction you know if the situation was on the other foot and 97% of the news media were conservative liberals in the country would not trust them rightfully so with bringing them unbiased news and yet we are supposed to accept that these news organizations are bringing us unbiased news and they're not and it's not just in the way that they cover stories it's in the stories that they choose to focus on that they choose to cover the stories that they choose to not cover uh, one of the biggest stories that coming out in the country today is the fact that six blocks in the city of Seattle have been completely taken over by anarchists. Six blocks. That means that police are not allowed in there. City workers are not allowed in there. They have taken over this area. There are businesses in that area that are being said, rumored to be having, they're being forced to pay some sort of fee to the people who are currently in charge in order to have protection against violence. This is happening in the United States right now. It's a huge story. And as of right now, if you go on the CNN website, the MSNBC website, the ABC website, there is not a single mention of this story. That is unbelievable to me. That is censorship. Another group that's in the country that is heavily liberal, obviously, is academia. When you look at college campuses and universities across the country, something it's about 50% of professors in the United States are registered Democrats compared to less than 6% are registered Republicans. You can see this when you look over the last couple of years at the stories that have come out about how conservative speakers have been uninvited from the campuses. They have been barred from going and speaking on these college campuses. They have been protested and shouted down from speaking on these college campuses because they want conservative ideas silenced. Hollywood. 
Hollywood, very powerful. They are the entity that puts out all of our entertainment, our movies and our television shows. Heavily liberal. Go to any celebrity's Twitter account and you can see how liberal Hollywood is. Check out which celebrities don't talk about politics at all. Those are the conservatives. They don't. Conservatives in Hollywood rarely speak out because they know that they are putting their careers in jeopardy if they speak out with their opinion, their conservative ideas. They're not allowed to do that. You watch the movies, you watch the TV shows, the ideas, the values, the politics that are being put out by these movies and television shows are heavily liberal. And conservative ideas, even mainstream ones, such as police officers are, you know, generally good people, those ideas are being silenced. Social media companies and big tech companies, okay, you have Twitter, you have Facebook, you have YouTube, you have Apple and Google. These are all companies that are heavily run by liberals. And it's not just that, okay, the majority of people who work there are liberals. They are using these extraordinarily powerful platforms to censor conservative ideas. You can see that in the Twitter debacle where they started fact-checking President Donald Trump, but they were not fact-checking lies that were being put out by the Chinese Communist Party until several days after Americans were giving them a lot of backlash for not doing that. The person who is working for Twitter who is in charge of the fact-checking is somebody who is a vocal Trump critic. Okay, once again, let's put that shoe on the other foot. If you had somebody who was a very vocal Trump supporter who was responsible for fact-checking, for example, President Obama, that would not fly. They would not accept that. These companies, all of these entities that have very, very powerful voices in our country. In fact, they, as I said, control the narrative about what Americans are talking about, what we are having conversations about week by week. They are using censorship, and that censorship matters. What this censorship does is it, it allows a large segment of our country to live in a bubble. It allows people who are Uh, It allows a large segment of the liberal population of the United States of America to live in a bubble in a way that conservatives in America are not able to do. And I'm going to explain what, what I mean by that. If you are a liberal and you live in a very blue area, if you live in a blue state or you, you know, on one of the coasts or if you live in a very democratic controlled city, one of the large cities across the country, it is absolutely possible for you to completely insulate yourself from ever having to hear conservative viewpoints, from ever having to engage and be friends and and encounter conservative Americans, people who hold conservative viewpoints. Conservatives in America don't have the same option. We see liberal viewpoints everywhere we turn. If you want to go to college because you want to be a doctor, you will constantly be bombarded with liberal viewpoints. If you turn on the television because you want to, you know, I don't know, have some entertainment and and check out of life for a little bit, you will be bombarded with liberal viewpoints. Turn on the news, open up social media, even watch a ball game, and you will be bombarded with liberal viewpoints. Um, So conservatives really can't escape it. We can't just run away from it. But liberals, it's it's more of a possibility for them. Liberals, you know, according to studies, this is not my opinion, this is there are studies that have been done that show that liberals in America are more likely 
than conservatives to unfriend people in their lives, stop talking to people who have conservative viewpoints. Conservatives are less likely to do that. And what this does is it makes it very easy for those who are in charge, for those who have the power, politicians and celebrities and whatnot, to demonize conservatives. It's very easy for them to demonize conservatives when so many liberals don't actually know conservatives in real life. When you know people in your life who have opposing viewpoints, it becomes harder for those in charge to paint those people as Nazis. So if your best friend is a conservative and you're a liberal, you might look at that person and be like, wow, you know, they're just a really good person. They're kind, they're compassionate, they are caring, you know, they'll give you the shirt off their back, they're fun to be around, and they're just really nice to everybody, and they don't seem racist or sexist or bigoted in any way. When you know people like that, it's very difficult for those in charge to convince you that that person is a Nazi, that that person is a racist or a sexist or a bigot. It's very difficult for them to convince you of that. And you might actually look at that person and say, you know, maybe they're a really good person who just happens to think differently than I can. But when you separate society, when you encourage certain segments of society to isolate themselves from being friends with people, from knowing people, from engaging with people who have opposing viewpoints in real life, then it's much easier for them to convince you that those people are evil. And it's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle that feeds on itself because what happens is, is that when those people are told, hey, everybody who is a conservative is a racist, they're a Nazi, then they make those people want to isolate themselves even more, okay? Because Who wants to engage in dialogue with a Nazi? Who wants to find common ground or compromise with somebody who is a KKK member or who is a racist or who is a white supremacist? Okay, most decent people don't want, are not interested in that. They don't want to find common ground with somebody who is a white supremacist. They're not willing to listen to the viewpoints and the perspective of somebody who is a blatant white supremacist racist. And that's the point. That's the point. So you ha- you isolate these people. You convince them that everybody who thinks differently than them or differently than they than them are Nazis, and then they they continue to want to self isolate. They continue to push away and not listen to any ideas that are different than their own. Now conservatives should be fighting against this, and we are fighting against this obviously because it is our ideas that are being censored. But the reality is, is that liberals should be fighting against this as well. Liberals should be asking themselves, why are things being censored from me? Why are opposing viewpoints being being censored from me? Why is it that my media channels are not reporting on very big and important stories that are taking place in this country? Why is that? Why is that? Why don't they want us to hear opposing views? Why do they want to keep information from us? Um, Another example of this that comes to my mind is a few weeks ago or several weeks ago back during the height of the coronavirus pandemic when the president of the United States was having daily press briefings with the the doctors that were in charge of setting the policy for the stay-at-home orders. And there were networks and Americans across this country that were openly calling for the networks to not air those press conferences. That was shocking to me. That was absolutely shocking to me. Why would you not want to air those press conferences? Okay, if, if what President Trump was saying was so radical, so crazy, so such a lie, so ridiculous, why wouldn't you 
put that out there and then rebut it. Why wouldn't you put that out there and then say and then have people on to say, okay, this is why we disagree with that. Why would you silence it? Why would you want to silence it? And every American who cares about truth, who cares about knowledge and getting all of the information, you should be asking these questions. Okay, what we should be able to do is we as Americans should be able to say, you know what, I want to hear all the information. I want to hear multiple perspectives on any particular news story so that I can look at all of the information. I can be as informed as possible and I can come to the conclusions that I am going to come to as an intelligent, thinking, adult human being. For me, it's always a red flag. It is always a red flag when somebody is trying to censor something and keep information from me. I always stand up and I say, why? People who love truth in this country should want more information, not less information. Another example of this that we have seen in the past is, you know, this idea about tearing down statues, for example. You know, let's tear down this statue because it's a statue of a Confederate general and we don't want to celebrate that or we don't want to, you know, to support that. And so we're just going to tear down this statue. And and my view of it is, you know what, let's not tear down our history. Let's not erase our history. Let's add to that information. Let's add and say, okay, this is the whole story. We're not going to hide any of it. As somebody who loves history, as I do, I love history. And one of the periods that I have been reading about quite a bit lately is the American Revolution. And I look at George Washington, first president of the United States. I look at George Washington and I, based on everything that I have read, truly believe that we probably would not have a country today if it were not for George Washington. What he did as general of the Continental Army, what he did during the years that he was president of the United States as our new nation was trying to find its footing, he held that army together. He held our nation together in a way that I think very few other people could have done. He was also a slave owner. He was also a slave owner. And slavery is something that I think is evil, that I think is absolutely anti-God, anti-everything that is good. I'm not interested in hiding the fact that George Washington was a slave owner. When I teach my kids and I talk to my kids about George Washington, I will absolutely include the fact that he owned slaves. He was also a massive hypocrite in that area because he wrote and spoke a lot about how much he recognized that slavery was evil and it was an abomination and it was completely antithetical to the cause of freedom that he was fighting for. And yet he did not emancipate his slaves until he died. That is all information that should be out there. That's all information that should be included. What should not be done is that we should just erase George Washington from our from our history books and stop talking about George Washington because he did something that was bad and that most people today can look back on and say, yeah, that was really bad. And when I say most, I mean the vast, vast, vast majority. It is only radicals and extremists who think any differently. Now, when we're talking about George Washington memorials and history books and textbooks and whatnot, I'm absolutely all for adding information and talking about the full picture. When we go back to the Gone with the Wind example, where HBO has pulled Gone with the Wind and they said they're going to be adding a disclaimer to it, that's fine. I don't have a particular problem with a disclaimer that says, okay, this was a movie that was made in a particular time and people thought differently back then and whatnot. 
But I do think that we need to kind of ask ourselves, why are they treating us like we're children? Why are they treating Americans like we're children? Do we really not understand that? Is there really this problem across the country? I mean, Gone with the Wind has been on the television being replayed for decades. Do we really see this problem that after people watch Gone with the Wind, they stop and they say, hey, you know, slavery was glamorous. Slavery, like back then and during that time when people owned slaves, that was a good thing. We should go back to that. Is there any evidence that that is happening? Of course not. Of course not. Because we as Americans are actually smart enough to recognize that this was a movie that was made in it. It was a product of its time. This movie was made in 1939. And does anybody in America really believe that the attitudes towards slavery and towards African-Americans in this country is the same today as it was in 1939? I think that we are all smart enough, or most of us at least, are smart enough to recognize that, yeah, It was made during a different era. People thought differently back then. People had more prejudiced ideas back then. We can recognize that. And we can say this was a film that was made in that time. And we recognize how things have changed today. There is a certain portion of censorship that is them treating us like we are children. I censor things for my children all the time. All the time. I mean, if my kids ask me a question, I give them an age-appropriate answer, and there is a lot of information about the world that I censored for my children because they are eight and five and three years old, and there's stuff that they just are not ready to hear. But we're adults. Americans are adults, and we do have the ability to watch a film and determine that, okay, this is something that is not what we should all be looking like. This is not what we should think is real life. And what's really fascinating about the fact that they're issuing a disclaimer about that particular film, that, oh, HBO does not support the ideas and the views of tor- you know about black people that are portrayed in this film. I mean, does that mean that every film that HBO airs that doesn't have a disclaimer means that they support every single idea that is being portrayed in that film? I mean, it's just overkill. And once again, it is just virtue signaling. It's not really accomplishing anything. It's not changing one thing about how Americans view life or view racism or view slavery. It's just them doing something to make it look like they're accomplishing something. I don't want to silence anybody. That's my thing. The answer to bad ideas is not silence. It is more discussion. If you are confident that you can defend your position then you don't need to silence your opposition. And that is something that liberals and conservatives across the country really, really need to recognize. But particularly liberals across the country really need to recognize. Okay, because we really, you need to ask yourself, why are, is this information being censored from me? Why are the people who are on my side trying to censor opposing views. And the reality is, is that the reason why you censor opposing views is because you are afraid that if people hear those opposing views, that they are going to start to say, hmm, that actually makes sense. That actually, I can understand that. So that leads you to kind of start to believe that, well, maybe the reason why it is the liberals in the country who are trying to silence conservatives and not really so much the other way around is because why is it that they are so afraid? of having you hear alternate ideas. Maybe it's because their ideas are not defensible. Conservatives are not trying to silence the opposition. They're just not. In fact, conservatives routinely stand up for diehard liberals 
who end up getting attacked by the woke mob in America. A recent example, again, this week, is J.K. Rowling, the author J.K. Rowling, who has found herself in a lot of hot water with the transgender community and its allies because she dares to say that women are women. She dares to say that there is such a thing as biological sex and women, there is such a thing as biological women. And if you pretend that that doesn't exist, not only are you going against science, but you are actually erasing the experience of women in America and and in the whole world. And the left has absolutely excoriated her over this. And what do you see? You see conservatives coming out and saying, why are we canceling her? She has the right to voice her opinion. You have the right to disagree with her opinion. You have the right to come out and say, hey, you know what? These are the reasons why I disagree with you. But what's interesting is that that's not what they do. Instead, they attack you personally and they just say, oh, well, you must just be transphobic. You must just be bigoted. You must be homophobic and all of these different things. Another vicious cycle that we as Americans have found ourselves in is one of our own creation, actually, which is this idea that people are more and more seeking out confirmation bias. So going back to the Tom Cotton op-ed that was published in the New York Times and that story, there was a staff member for the New York Times who came out and said that after that op-ed was published, the New York Times received the rec- a record number of cancellations within one hour. Okay, that's their readers. That is their readers who saw an op-ed that they disagreed with. And instead of just saying, hmm, I disagree with that, let me, you know, look more into it or, oh, yep, I vehemently disagree with that. Instead, they canceled their subscription to the newspaper. You see it on social media, too. You see, like, if there's, you know, CNN or MSNBC dares to publish an article or interview somebody or give somebody a voice who is on the other side of the aisle, they, you see it on social media, all the comments, I'm never watching this network again. Oh, I'm never watching your show again. How dare you give that person a platform to speak? And and the truth is, is that this is, people on the right are guilty of this as well. This is a both of a left a left and right issue. We are we seek out confirmation bias. We seek out information that confirms our preconceived notions and our beliefs instead of information that challenges our beliefs. Instead of information that challenges us to think more deeply about the positions that we hold. And the vicious cycle that that creates is that now we as the consumers are putting these news organizations in a position where Just like politicians, they now have an incentive to play to their base. They now have an incentive to censor ideas that the majority of their viewers, the majority of their subscribers do not agree with. So we are just as guilty of creating and perpetuating this problem in our country where we don't want to hear opposing views. And what this is doing is this is driving the great divide that we see in our country. We hear this all the time. People talk about, oh, how divided we are. It's such a shame that we're so divided. You know what we really need? We really need a politician. We really need somebody who can be the next president of the United States. It's going to unite the country. That's what we need. Well, guess what, folks? That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. If we are going to become a more united country, despite our differences, despite our disagreements, and despite our problems, it's going to have to come from us. It is not going to come from politicians. It is not going to come from the media because they have an incentive to keep us divided. Politicians have an incentive to keep Americans divided because if we are divided, then we are angry. And if we are angry, we go vote. That's just a very 
bizarre reality of human nature is that people are more likely to vote when they're angry than when they're happy. If you're happy and everything's going great and everything in your life feels good, the economy's good and, you know, things in the country seem pretty peaceful, you know, for whatever reason, we are less likely to or less enthusiastic about going out and voting for the people who are in charge, who are creating that good economy, who are creating that peaceful situation, we are less likely and less enthusiastic about voting under those circumstances. But when we are angry, when we feel like the other side is just destroying America, we are more likely to go and vote. And so they have an incentive to keep us angry and to keep us divided. And the media, it's the same thing. When Everything seems to be going good. People don't turn the news on that much. They're busy living their lives. They're hanging out with their family and their friends and they're having barbecues and they're working and they're not really into it. But when the world is on fire, when the world is on fire and horrible things are happening and there's a nationwide pandemic and there's riots in the streets, people are turning on the news. People want to know what's going on. So they're turning on their news. They're getting on social media. They're angry. So they're fighting on social media and they're engaging on social media. And that benefits all of these people. And so they don't, we have to recognize they don't have an incentive to unite us. They don't have an incentive for us to be able to get along and look at each other and say, you know what? You're a good person. Deep down, you're a really good person. And you might just think differently than I do. And you might have different ideas than me. And let's talk about that. And let's listen to each other. Okay? If there is a movement to unite us as Americans and to stop us from being so divided, it's going to have to come from us. It's going to have to come from the people. We are going to be the ones who are going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to seek out opposing views. I am going to seek out people in my life to have a conversation with who I may not, who I may not agree with. I might have to seek out views that make me uncomfortable, that challenge what I believe. Some of the ways and, and the instances in my life where I have grown the most and become the most comfortable and familiar and and educated and knowledgeable about my positions have stemmed from situations where I lost an argument. I got into a debate with somebody. I got into a, a conversation or an argument with somebody and I lost. I was not prepared. I did not have all of the information. And walking away from those situations, sometimes it all, I, I changed my viewpoint. I changed what I believed. And sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I went and I, I researched and I looked up data and information and studies and, and whatnot. And I found, you know what? No, my position was right, but now I'm better prepared to defend it. And that is something that we are losing every single day in this country. And that is why we see so many of these conversations devolve into ad hominem attacks and they devolve into personal attacks is because people in this country, we are making ourselves less informed and less educated. We are making ourselves stupid. And what comes from that is we, so we can't defend ourselves or we can't defend our positions, I should say. We're backed into a corner. And so what do we end up doing? We end up attacking the other person personally. We attacked their their character. We accuse them of, oh, well, you're just a racist or you're just a sexist or you're just a bigot instead of stopping and saying, okay, I can't defend this. I can't, I can't respond to what that person is saying. I need to go back and do more research. I need to go back and become more informed on this particular topic. If we're going to move forward 
as a nation, if our nation is going to survive and thrive and get back to a place where most Americans can sit down next to each other at a ball game, can get back to a place where we can have conversations about movies, we can even have conversations about the weather, which is something that in and of itself has become controversial these days. If we want to get back to a place where we can talk to each other, whether or not we agree, whether or not we're on the same page, it's going to come from us. And we are going to have to do that by being willing to be made uncomfortable, being willing to hear opposing ideas, and being willing to look at each other and say, you know what? Americans in general are good people. We are good people who are different, who have different ideas, who have different lifestyles, who disagree, and that is okay. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps each and every week. Also, please share this episode with a family member or friend so we can help spread the word. Thanks for taking a moment out of your day to talk censorship and division in our culture. I'll be back next week for a deep dive into issues plaguing American life from the perspective of just an American.